0: Today, I have invited Marie Bernardo from Coactive Life Design to talk about her career transition from corporate life to coaching over the past five years. Marie is a wellbeing and leadership coach, as well as a trauma-sensitive meditation and mindfulness teacher, and she works with her clients to enhance their sense of wellbeing. It's lovely to have you on the podcast, Marie. Hi, Leah. How are you going? I'm really well. And look, I thought it would be lovely to invite you on the podcast um, because I think there's many other people out there who are working in corporate and would like to make some sort of change and find purpose in their life and in their work. Um, And so I thought you were a perfect example of someone who has achieved that. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Leah. Uh, Maria, can you take us back to your time working in corporate and just give us a bit of an overview of? What, you, what sort of work you were doing in corporate and how you were feeling when you decided to start thinking about making a change?
1: Yeah, sure. So I spent the first two decades of my career in the corporate world managing um, global and local teams within the finance department. I was working for medium and large organisations, both public and private as well, So I led teams through multiple mergers, acquisitions, transition, and change. It was extremely rewarding, uh, very fast-paced as well, Uh, provided me with invaluable learnings, experiences, teachings. I met wonderful people down that path. The pivotal moment for me was in my last role. I faced redundancy for the first time in my career. And I was offered the opportunity to stay on for another year and um, through a little bit of uh, soul searching and thinking, I respectfully declined that opportunity. And deep down, I couldn't quite articulate it, but there was something um, deep down that was telling me, it was around the time when my tenure was coming to an end, I wasn't going to come back to that role again. I. Didn't know why, couldn't put my finger on it. But it's just the, I felt burnt out, exhausted, the lack of self-care sort of caught up with me and um, had taken its toll. And, yeah, that's where I was at after the um, my last role.
0: Can I just ask you about the redundancy? Was that something that was you were expecting or did it come as a bit of a shock?
1: No, we were all expecting it. So when the acquisition took place, the last sort of 12, 15 months, the finance team were all working towards that end date, so to speak. So we were all very much aware of um, working towards a redundancy date. Yes.
0: Yeah. And that makes it easier, doesn't it? At least you know that it's not just you and it doesn't come as yeah, a shock. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so I think we met maybe back in March, 2019, and you were Um, at a point where you knew that you didn't want to go back to corporate, but I don't think you really knew exactly what you did want to do. Um, Can you take us through some of the activities and the research that you did that has helped you sort of land in a career in an area where you feel really excited and where you feel like you've got real purpose?
1: Yeah, sure. So I um I would before I met you, I was I was getting quite frustrated because I was just researching. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I did know that I wanted, I was just yearning for a meaningful, purposeful career. I just kept hitting dead ends. So that's when I started researching, uh, wanting to engage a career coach. And thankfully, that's when I came across you. So through the work that we did together, I then landed in the space of leadership and career coaching, which was the beginning of what I'd call the, the next chapter in my life. But it was actually the the new book in my life. So that was the beginning of an amazing path. It was here where I was coaching uh, individuals in the career and the leadership space and um, I had gone back to full-time study and acquired my accredited um, certifications, etc. to become a career and leadership coach. So when I was coaching individuals in this space, I started noticing a pattern um, that was impacting their career decisions and also their leadership aspirations and It was negatively impacting their decisions made in this space and it was sort of, it was anxiety, the patterns were involving sort of um, intense stress, um, self-doubt, overwhelm to name a few and I became really interested in the patterns that I was seeing. Around the same time I started experiencing uh, my own chronic illness that I was suffering from myself. So that sort of deepened my understanding of what my clients were going through in terms of their struggle and their suffering. So drawing upon my own health challenges, as well as what I was observing in my clients, I then made a a conscious decision in shifting my focus and becoming a wellbeing coach and a trauma-sensitive meditation and mindfulness teacher.
0: Can you tell us what did you go on to study to be qualified and the experience to coach in this space?
1: Yeah, sure. So I've done a lot of um additional training, um, compassion focused therapy, um, also self um mindfulness, mindful self-compassion. Which deals a lot in helping people deal with and manage challenges in sort of shame and and um, self criticism, which is quite is an area that needs a lot of support and help and care because that was something that I found in terms of the the individuals I was coaching weren't really looking after themselves and weren't really treating themselves with a lot of kindness, and that's the beginning of a lot of self-defeating thoughts. And and then that sort of unravels from there on. I did an advanced or completed an advanced course through the US, uh, which was in relation to the trauma-sensitive space. So that enables me to respond skillfully to individuals who have potentially experienced trauma. And be able to expand what we call the window of tolerance, which I'll go into later on, and also support them in their trauma recovery as well. So that's been um, those two areas in particular have been e- extremely helpful for me. I also completed an advanced certificate in meditation and mindfulness specializing in mental health and well-being and um, community groups as well. And that was just the the beginning of an amazing path for me in terms of working in the meditation and mindfulness space and also understanding mental health and well-being and how much that really impacts our day-to-day life and things we take for granted and probably should do a little bit differently.
0: I think we all know that post-COVID there is, it does seem to be you know, a lot of people out there with mental health issues, people feeling disconnected, anxious, feeling isolated. Can you uh, give me an example, obviously without, you know, giving any personal details away of, you know, the sort of a person that might come to you, the some of the um, difficulties or challenges they might be facing and the sort of work you might do with them to help them be in a better place and to manage their well-being?
1: Yeah, Sure. So uh, not too long ago, I was coaching a client who was struggling in terms of coping with work. It was more along the lines of, I think that I need to do a little bit more training in work. I'm not, I'm not coping in terms of I'm not doing my job well enough. It was more around that sort of narrative. Um, But what it sort of boiled down to is that there was a lot of self-doubt, lack of confidence There was a lot of self-sabotage as well in there too and uh, unknowing to this person. And there was a lot of, um, through working together, the self-discovery and the self-awareness that this person gained um, over time was really enlightening. It's amazing where we, we sort of just go on and go about our days without really paying attention to anything that we do um, that impacts us directly and it impacts our well-being and our mental state and the relationship that we have with ourselves is so important. So that was the work that we did together and then what became instrumental was that she was able to or um, through the work that we did I equipped her with just some practical strategies and coping mechanisms to be able to use and utilize on a day-to-day basis quite easily they were really easy and practical and by being able to do that she then felt a little bit more in control by feeling more control then it was less anxiety by less anxiety it was it was just a whole ripple effect and that then enhanced her relationship with people at work and then in her personal life but more importantly the relationship with herself and just being able to see that unfold was just it was it was pretty amazing and and rewarding to see. And as I said, the ripple effect is is quite profound.
0: What would be some strategies that everyone could be doing? Um, anyone in a corporate environment or someone working from home? Um, what would be some things that we could be doing? just generally to manage well-being and reduce stress?
1: Sure. So one of the very first techniques that I run through with somebody, uh, which is really easy and something you can do on the fly, in the bathroom, in a meeting, whilst you're driving, is lengthening our exhalation. Um, By lengthening the exhalation, it activates our parasympathetic System, which then lowers our heart rate, it calms us down and our blood pressure goes down and it activates within in our relaxation mode. So by inhaling to the count of three and four and exhaling to the count of six or seven or eight, basically emptying out our lungs, and it's the whole point of lengthening our exhale so it's longer than our inhale, Um, that's what activates our parasympathetic um, system is really, really important and something that if we do consciously and we take note of doing that, it, it's it's almost automatic that we actually start feeling more grounded and more centred and we start feeling our heart rate going down, our, bra- our breathing calms down, and then everything starts to move from a more anxious space into a more calm space and we can start to then think a little bit more rationally Um, we can start to um see things a little bit more differently and if we we do that to about a couple of minutes ongoing then um that can make a remarkable difference yeah on the go
0: I have tried that since we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago and, it look, I definitely haven't perfected it, but it definitely helps when I'm feeling a little bit stressed. So um, good tip. How important is it to get out in nature and get outside and out of the office each day? It's critical. It's, um, there's been so much research
1: around that and for some reason they've said that um, melburnians are lacking the, the sunlight and just the sunlight itself can give us uh, the energy and the vitality and the uh, the ripple effect there and the flow-on effect that that can have mentally for us. Meditation, for example, a lot of people have the preconceived idea that we have to sit and, and meditate for 20 minutes or half an hour or 15 minutes. Meditation can be walking meditation outside, for example, paying attention to... What we see outside, um, what's around us, what we see in our environment, actually, you know, being grateful for what we have around us and being mindful of it. So it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting inside and meditating. We can do so much more around the meditation space. And it is really important to being outside and taking that breath and really enjoying what we have around
0: us. That's really interesting because I do walk a lot with my dogs, um, but I've never even, and sometimes I deliberately don't take my phone, I don't wear my AirPods, I just do look at nature and notice things, but I've never actually thought of that as being meditation. So,
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: What would be some themes that you're seeing in people that come to to work with you based on what is happening out in corporate life, people working from home? Are there any sort of patterns that you're seeing that is perhaps affecting people's mental health?
1: The main ones would be like the, it's the overwhelm, it's imposter syndrome, um, perfection or unhealthy levels of perfectionism. A lot of the I'm not good enough is is happening a lot and there's a lot of disconnect happening as well I mean as good as it is to work from home which it is because you there's a lot of flexibility there there's disconnection amongst people and that is so important when it comes to mental health and well-being they've studied they've done numerous studies on people who suffer from depression or anxiety for example and the one thing that reoccurs with those results is that when they feel at their worst, Um, they feel like they're worse when they're isolated and when they're alone, whereas when they're with somebody and um, whether it's a friend or just somebody they trust or have a relationship with or having a discussion with somebody and sharing something, um, they're more likely to, there's an energy, there's a flow, there's a vitality there that's likely to push them out of that, um, that depressive state and that anxiety that they're feeling.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? When I think about in emergency services, the first thing they do after any incident is a debrief. The debrief is so important and that's, I guess, exactly what you often do in an office. If you get a bad phone call, you turn to the person next to you and have a little bit of a debrief and a bit of a vent, uh, which often makes you feel better. But if you're working from home, you don't have that luxury.
1: Yeah. So there should be things put in place where... There are, you know, regular meetings or maybe you have, like, a buddy to speak to on a, whether it's just on a daily basis, even if it is just five minutes just to catch up and say, you know, has your day going or what's going on. Um, It may not mean much, but it it does, like, it is a significant factor in our day-to-day life. We need to be connecting with people. That is, it's critical for our lifestyle.
0: Maria, what would you say to someone working in corporate, feeling like they need to make a change? Um, What would be some, based on your experience, how would you recommend they perhaps go about that and how they look at some options? Uh, There's a few things, like reflecting back on
1: what I, uh, my experience, one of the things that was really helpful was uh, writing down the reasons for staying and the reasons for leaving. That simple activity, seeing the words on paper is quite powerful, uh, I found. And even just leaving it and coming back to it a few days later, uh, even rating my, the want and the desire to leave from one to 10, one being not at all, 10 being get me out of here real quick. (laughs) Um, That that can gauge how committed you can be to, to leaving. The other one is engaging with a careers coach for me was just critical. It's such a big piece of the puzzle. Like there's only so much that you can exhaust on your own. Um, having a career coach can shine a light on areas that you would just have no idea about and would not have conceived or considered on your own, whereas having a, a career coach um Point you in a different direction and explore different areas with you, and suggest and guide you and help you and support you is just so fundamental in this process. And probably the last thing would be is that I hadn't, I wasn't prepared for, was the, the the grief and the loss of identity that could come of it because, especially if your identity is so associated with your career, I was not prepared for it and I was rather blindsided. Um, and then it took for a discussion with my RMIT coordinator, I believe at that time, Susan Mate, a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, and when she mentioned it, it was also helpful that she was a psychologist as well. Um, and then when she mentioned it, um, I think I heard a thousand pennies drop at, at that time and um yeah, it all made sense to me. It was sort of until that point, everything was a process for me. It's like, what course do I have to do? Tick. What, you know, what do I need to do now? Tick. But I hadn't taken into account the emotional and yeah, that side of things that was going to play a big part in my life.
0: Yeah. And that is so true. Our identity is so wrapped up in often what we do rather than what we do outside of work. Absolutely. Um, And I think that shock and that grief people who are made redundant and you still experience that even though you knew it was coming for perhaps a year where, you know, I've got a very close friend who I caught up with a week ago. She's just been made redundant after 23 years with the same organisation pulled out of a meeting to be told completely out of the blue. You know, you can't even imagine how that must feel. Yeah.
1: And even like you you go from being really competent, adequate in in all spheres of what you're doing, to in your mind, you're going back to, you know, square one again. You're learning, you're becoming a learner right from the start. You're going back to school or whatever it is that you're doing and you're learning a brand new, it's a brand new industry. I'm not confident. I'm incompetent. And all these negative biases are happening again, the self-doubt. So um, it's a matter of managing it and putting things in place to cope.
0: Having said that, I'd love to hear your opinion on you've got come from a corporate finance background. You're now working as a coach. What would be some of the skills that you've transferred across from corporate life into this new career? There's been quite a few.
1: My, I, I, I was always very strong in the relationship building um, skills sort of the problem solving, the organisational skills in terms of building my business, that's come in real handy. (laughs) And coming from corporate, it's also having a real uh, understanding of how things work in business and being quite looking at things quite um, honestly and, and having realistic expectations about things. Um, that's been really good for me, uh, having that honest approach about how to approach things and not being unrealistic in terms of my expectations. That's probably been the biggest thing for me in terms of um, keeping me grounded and um, going about my, you know, uh, building my business and
0: moving forward. Yeah, it's a, it's a big change, isn't it, starting your own business and yes. a very steep learning curve. Without yeah. having all of those support functions around you.
1: Yeah, you have to be all things to all people.
0: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, so, Marie, if someone was out there and interested in working with you, how would they know that they're the right type of client for you and your business?
1: Well, it's just a matter of whether they're feeling like they're lost or overwhelmed or something's just not quite right in their life or, um you know, they're not feeling content with what's going on in their life or um, they're wanting to improve something, something's missing. It's, it's a matter of just wanting some sort of improvements. Things aren't balanced in their life and that they're, they're wanting to improve that in somewhat way, whether it's from a mental health perspective like a you know anxiety overly stressed that sort of thing or whether it's you know something's missing my life and I want to search for it I want to find that purpose from that aspect and I'm always delighted to go down that journey with my clients and spend the time to unpack and, and find the hidden gems. How would someone find you if they were keen to work with you Marie? So I'm I have a website and that's um coactivelifedesign.com.au, or you can email me at hello at coactivelifedesign.com.au or contact number is
0: 048291535. Thank you. I will put all of those in the show notes as well. Thank you for sharing your journey. I'm so proud of what you have achieved and I think you are such an action taker and I I know as soon as we started discussing different careers you were out there researching and calling people to do information interviews and looking at courses and I think like that's why you've been successful in this making this change because you've been so proactive and you've put yourself out there, put yourself out of your comfort zone um, and you've made it happen. So congratulations.
1: Thank you so much, Leah. And I just wanted to extend such a huge thank you to you. Like as soon as we met, everything um, unfolded for me. So huge gratitude to you. Thank you so much.
0: Well, I can't take the credit for where you've landed right now, but I might have, you know, got you, <laughs> got you started on your career journey to explore that. So well done. I'll put all the details for Marie in the show notes and thanks for coming on the podcast, Marie. Great to have you.
1: Thank you so much, Leah.